Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. After the Constitution was signed, a Philadelphia citizen asked Ben Franklin, what have you given us? And his very famous response was, a republic if you can keep it. Reflecting on that verbal exchange in light of the abysmal state of our nation today, one would rightfully ask, what went wrong? Where did we go astray? As it so often does, history suggests an answer to those questions. As citizens, as leaders, we pale by so many measures in comparison to our founders and the citizens of the 13 colonies who were men and women of faith. Men and women of faith understand moral certainty. Morality is not arbitrary. It is not a shifting line in the sand whose position and very existence is subject to the winds and weather conditions of life. Right and wrong are absolutes, defined for mankind by the divine hand that carved the Ten Commandments in stone during the exodus from Egypt. The success and longevity of our constitutional republic was always dependent on the moral character of our people and our leaders. How can we survive as a nation if our citizens and leaders consistently choose self-interest over the general welfare of the nation and all the people? How can we survive as a nation if our citizens and leaders are morally adrift without a steady anchor to ensure righteous behavior in the face of temptation? How can we survive as a nation when our leaders stand in defiance of God's law by open disrespect for and denial of the divine origin of life? How can we survive as a nation when government silences the voices of moral guidance and direction that comes from our pulpits? But more importantly, how can we survive when our pastors meekly accept those limitations as part of the new reality that teaches a gray morality of blurred lines and boundaries? There was a time, my friends, when the pulpits of our nation were on fire. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Dan Fisher, pastor, husband, father, grandfather, two-term Oklahoma State Congressman, and creator of the acclaimed presentation, Bringing Back the Black-Robed Regiment. Dan Fisher, welcome to Freedom Forum 
Radio. Well, thank you so very, very much. It's an honor to be with you, Dan. So it's a, it's a pleasure. I look forward to our visit today. You know, Dan Fisher, I have read through your website, which, by the way, is www.danfisherbrr.com. And I urge everyone to visit that site. It's filled with useful information about the book and the DVD on this subject. And I will tell you that you have started what I would call a movement to rekindle the flame of patriotism and morality that is missing from our pulpits. So tell me, what was the black-robed regiment and how does it relate to our nation today? Well, it's a pleasure to be able to answer that question. You know, when I first heard about the Black Robes Regiment, I thought someone was talking about judges who wear black robes in our modern era. That's the only group. There are a few denominations who pre- whose preachers still wear black, black robes, but pretty much I thought it was judges until I discovered that it was the name that the British gave to the pastors in the 18th century who were preaching what I would call the whole counsel of God from their pulpits. They weren't censoring the message and uh, deleting certain parts of it like so many preachers do in our modern era. But they believe the Bible addressed every area of life, especially government. They believe that government was one of the, uh, the three institutions that God created so that we could have a civil society. And, of course, the other two were the church and the home, the family. So these men stood in their pulpits preaching every Sunday, and of course, as the British stranglehold on America continued to tighten, and what I would say by America is the colonies themselves, these guys preached more and more and more that uh, truth should be defended and liberty should be um, something for which we would fight if need be. So that's who they were. The British were uh, cognizant of the tremendous influence they had over the people in the colonies. So the the title Black Regiment, we call it the Black Robe Regiment today, just so people will understand, was was birthed from actually an American who was a Tory. So that's the that's the name that they were given, and the British uh, feared them, and for for good reasons, as we will see as we discuss uh, the subject today. So these were pastors in our country who understood the the morality of the times. They understood the battle uh, for freedom that many were talking about, and they felt it was their right and their divine duty, I would imagine, to stand up and talk to their parishioners. What did they say? What did they urge people to do? Well, I think it's important that we understand that in the in the 1700s, the church was pretty much the the core of of culture. They were in the very center. So the pastor in any particular town was a key figure. Very often, he was the most educated, uh, most up on news, and so people would not only go to church for spiritual instruction, but that's where they got a lot of their news. The church was the key to the culture. Uh, secondly, the, the people of the 1700s, the 18th century, were far more uh, biblical, if that's a way to say it, far more moral. They had a, they had a biblical morality 
even though not everyone in the 18th century America was a Christian by biblical standards, and not everyone even claimed to be a Christian or even attended church, but the church had a tremendous influence in the culture. So what these men did, these pastors, is they took the Word of God, and they preached all of the principles that apply to godly living, and they believed that one of the most important influences in people's lives would be those who governed them. Not only that, but they believed that there were certain gifts from God that men possessed certain unalienable rights, as later on Jefferson wrote in the Declaration. These preachers believed those were gifts from God, and liberty was a gift from God. And they believed that tyranny was the exact opposite. So they preached from their pulpits the the source of all good things was God, that, that men were created in the image of God, that they were given certain inalienable rights, as I said, and that anyone who would try to take those away would automatically, by definition, be labeled a tyrant. So they preached against the tyranny that was slowly but certainly encroaching on the colonies to the point that they believed that if they didn't stand up and do something, not only were their liberties going to be limited, but specifically their religious liberty, and they were afraid that the Church of England, the Anglican Church, where the king was not only the king of the government there, but he was the head of the church, they were afraid the Anglican Church was going to be forced on them, and of course, then their right to preach the gospel and preach God's word as they understood it would be greatly hindered. So that's what they were preaching from their pulpit. You know, that theme, of course, is very important in the Constitution itself, that theme of natural law rights. Natural law rights are rights of individuals given to them by God. And when when the Constitution was written... Uh, the people, the, the, the great gentlemen and, and, uh, of wisdom who wrote the Constitution understood that the duty of government was to protect and secure those rights. Those rights were already ours. All government was supposed to do was protect and secure them to make sure that no one took them away, that no government got big enough and, more, and powerful yeah. enough to take them away. That was, that was the whole idea of the yeah. Constitution. And, of course... Uh, one of the main characteristics of natural law rights not just is not just that they came from God, but they do impose no obligation on any other person. Yes. That is yeah, why right. they are natural law rights. But that was the theme of the Constitution, and obviously the theme of those pastors. That it was. And they, many of them were, were students of Locke and Blackstone. So these, these great... Uh, 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 scholars of jurisprudence laid down the basis for law, the basis for right and wrong, and in that era, they understood that there were moral absolutes, and they found those absolutes in Scripture, so they believed that man was not only accountable to God, man was accountable to one another and to uh, proper government, so they preached these things from their pulpit. Now, as things began to grow more and more tense, between the colonies and the the crown, and as King George 
continue to flex muscle and show more and more military uh, might and the, uh, the threat of uh, forcing his will on the colonists, these preachers began to not only preach to their congregants the need to be prepared to defend liberty, but maybe we'll get to some of the stories of some of these guys. They actually, in some instances, trained the men of their churches and their communities how to fight together in groups that we now know were called the Minutemen. Many of these pastors actually led uh, their congregations off onto the battlefields, and not only were chaplains to them, but fought on the battlefield. These men believed that everything was at stake, and they were willing to pay any price to defend those natural, unalienable rights that they believed ultimately came from God. You know, you mentioned that one of these uh, pastors was Massachusetts Pastor Jonas Clark, and I believe that uh-huh. you just uh, referred to him. Yes. Yeah, in fact, Jonas Clark you know, pastored the, the church there in Lexington, Massachusetts. The night that Paul Revere and a few others are making their famous ride, and Revere is yelling, the regulars are coming, when he rides into Lexington, he rides directly to Jonas Clark's house. Now, that night, Clark had a couple of guests staying with him, Samuel Adams and John Hancock. And interestingly enough, John Hancock's grandfather had passed that very same church years before and had lived in that very house, what we call the parsonage. So when Revere goes to Lexington, he rides to a preacher's house. Now, the reason is because Jonas Clark, with the help of a deacon named uh, Captain John Parker, they called him Captain Parker, because he was a veteran of the French and Indian War, Clark and Parker had been training the men how to fight together. Many of these men didn't have any military experience. They were doing this all over New England, and they were calling themselves Minute Men because they, were, they would make the commitment that once they heard the alarm sounded, which would normally be the bell in the meeting house, they were committed to being there with uh, flintlock muskets and everything they needed to defend liberty in a minute. So Revere rides to Clark's house, and eventually they have a little council of war, and uh, Samuel Adams and John Hancock ask Pastor Clark, will the men fight? Now, these are the men of his church and of the community, and he purportedly said, I trained them for this very hour. They will fight, and if need be, die under the shadow of the house of God. And that was, that was the evening, April the 18th, 1775, before the famous Battle of Lexington the next day on April the 19th, where Jonas Clark and Captain Parker led those men out onto what we today call Lexington Green. And the first shots of our War of Independence were fired. So, yes, Jonas Clark was one of those Black Grove Regiment preachers. It's really interesting that uh, Paul Revere came to the parsonage And there, of course, were two of the most famous of our founders, John Hancock and and Samuel Adams. You're talking about the, I don't want to use the word royalty, but they were the royalty of the revolution, uh, or certainly among the royalty of the revolution. But what you're saying is, is pointing out something that is so, so critical, and that was at that time, the church and the pastor that was the center of the community. 
that's where people came. They congregated together, you know, once a week for all for information, for 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 community, for whatever they needed, and it would be natural for that to be the source of inspiration for uh, liberty. Sure, sure. And these guys believed that they had a moral obligation to defend liberty. As I said earlier, the most crucial liberty to them was religious liberty, which is one of the reasons why, eventually, in the First Amendment to the Constitution, they enshrined freedom of speech and freedom of religion as the first two things that they mentioned because they believed all other liberties end on those two. So these, these men who were pastors had been a part of the effort. I think folks need to understand that many of these pastors were also involved in the government itself. Uh, we'll probably get around to talking about Peter Muhlenberg from Woodstock, Virginia. He served in the Virginia House of Burgesses with George Washington and Patrick Henry. But Muhlenberg was also a, a Lutheran by birth. His family helped found the Lutheran Church in Pennsylvania, and Muhlenberg was pastoring a church in Woodstock. Now, in Virginia, you had to be Anglican to be a pastor, so it was an Anglican church, uh, what we call today Episcopal churches. But he had Lutheran roots. But he was also serving in government, and you'll find that with many of these men, and those who were not officially holding office were connected to groups like the Sons of Liberty, which of course was led by Samuel Adams out of Boston. These men who were, who were preparing to stand against what they perceived to be British tyranny. So these men were, were involved in many different levels in the community, I just want the folks to know that they weren't just preaching on Sunday, and that was the extent of it. These men were engaged in every area of life. And I think that's important to understand. I'm speaking with Dan Fisher, uh, Dan Fisher, who wrote uh, Bringing Back the Black-Robed Regiment. I want to mention again his website, uh, R. Dot com BRR stands for Black Robed Regiment, DanFisherBRR.com. Uh, be certain to go to the website and, uh, and, look, and uh, look at his book and DVD, which goes into the history of this era. Fascinating era for history. You mentioned uh, Pastor Peter Muhlenberg, and, and I note that he eventually did lead the 8th Virginia Regiment uh, in right. the War of Independence. Uh, he became a war hero. Uh, and how about Pastor James Caldwell? Oh, yeah. James, James Caldwell was a Presbyterian. And it's interesting that we're naming men who are either congregational preachers or Lutheran or Presbyterian. The Baptists were involved as well. Practically every denomination laid aside their doctrinal differences to fight for the common cause of liberty because they knew if they lost their liberty, the doctrinal differences would be immaterial, because many of them would be in prison, many of them would be executed. In fact, in my book, I, I quote little excerpts from letters from some of these pastors to their families, warning their families that if they lose the, the war, uh, they'll be hanged for treason. So these men knew what was at stake. It, it was just as true for them as it was for the signers of the Declaration. They all knew that they were either signing their death warrant or they were signing their release 
the liberty. So that so they knew that. So James Caldwell is a Presbyterian out of Elizabethtown, New Jersey. Caldwell was he was a very fiery individual. He would have probably been the the pastoral equivalent to Samuel Adams. <laughs> Samuel Adams is called the voice of the revolution. Well, uh, Caldwell was very outspoken, and like many of these pastors, he chaplained his men. But when the fighting took place, many times these men ended up fighting right along beside their, their congregants. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Get joy in everything. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning.